0: Welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment, with me, Neil Carberry, the REC's Chief Executive. Thank you for joining us again on the podcast. Welcome, if this is the first time you've dipped in to our uh, regular discussions of the recruitment market, what businesses are thinking, hiring trends, and the public policy challenges of this COVID-19 crisis that we've been navigating over the past few months. Moving into a slightly different stage of the crisis now, of course, as we're beginning to open up the economy, and uh, do uh, look out for the latest REC Jobs Recovery Tracker, which was launched on the morning of the 12th of June, giving you all the latest insight into what's going on in with active vacancies in the economy. I think slightly more thumbs up than thumbs down in terms of progress there. A slow growth on the last track that we had published, but importantly that growth getting quicker as we went into the first week, week of June. So I I think that bounce back that we always anticipated happening, although there's a long way to go, is starting to happen as the economy unlocks. And a lot of what members are talking to us about now it really reflects that opening up. Lots of interest in, for instance, the government's thinking on the next stage of opening yeah, uh, particularly with non-essential retail stores opening on the 15th of June in England and potentially some further businesses where risk was deemed to be a little higher opening up on the 4th of July in England. Uh, we expect a different pacing in the three devolved nations but a similar sort of path as long as we continue to see infection rates coming down and they are remaining low. So a couple of big breaks on that certainly we're getting a lot in our discussions with other trade associations on the importance of making the decision at the right time to reduce the two metre rule to maybe a one and a half or one metre rule, particularly as we open up hospitality, where the difference between two metres and one metre is the ability difference between the ability to trade at 30% and the ability to trade at 70% of your normal volume. Lots of focus on that, lots of focus on public transport in the debates we're having across government, particularly getting London operating and how that will work, and around the quarantine issue where we've lent our support to a letter coordinated by London First with a range of different business organisations pointing out the necessity of making sure that the quarantine is used for as little time as possible and that we use air bridges to maintain support for Britain's tourism industry as part of hospitality. Coming closer to home in the sector, great to see progress on the trade credit insurance scheme that we lobbied so hard for, government uh, signing up for the launch of that last Thursday. And importantly, we've been using our time with the ministers, uh, speaking to Nadim Zahawi on the same day as we're recording this, to make sure that we uh, protect firms in the sector who are using the furlough scheme from clawback from HMRC on technicalities when actually they've done the right thing and got furlough money to their own staff or to tenants, depending. Those relationships are really difficult to manage. We know the rules on the furlough scheme have changed 22 times in running since the launch. And because of that uh, we're looking to HMRC to be really clear that if you've done the right thing there's going to be a presumption in favour of you in any future audit. That's a really big thing that we've heard from uh, members and I just want to be clear that we're taking action on it. Now to today's business, delighted to welcome Tony Wilson from the IES to the pod. Tony and I have known each other a long time, we've done some really interesting work over the last couple of months on the issue of unemployment and today we're going to dig into what the challenge we face is, how big is it, what what can we do? And I think there's a big role for us as an industry to play in addressing that. So Tony, first of all, welcome to the pod, telling us a little bit about the IES and the work you do.
1: Yeah, sure, happy to. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for having me today. So I'm the director at the Institute for Employment Studies, and so we're an independent um, research centre um, mainly, and we work across employment, HR, um, and other areas of public policy, like skills, education and welfare and so a lot of our work is for government doing research and evaluations and analysis and that's national government and local government um, and other public bodies but we also work quite a lot with employer bodies um uh, we work we've worked with some of your members um in in the past and we work with employers themselves actually particularly around issues related to hr um and often you know issues related to um Things around recruitment, too. So talent management, um, diversity and inclusion um, and various other things. So, yeah, but in the last few months, like many other people, all of our work has been about COVID, really. It's been about the response. It's about understanding the crisis and helping public policy and employers and, um, and the wider HR community respond to it.
0: Pretty clearly, this is a unique sort of recession that we're in, and I don't think you'll find anyone who'll dispute the fact that we are in a recession, even though we're a long way from having that technically confirmed, because we've tumbled into it so quickly with the lockdown starting. And while government has taken some really unprecedented actions in terms of supporting the wages of over 8 million people through the furlough scheme, we do know that despite that, unemployment is already rising.
1: Yeah. And from a sort of labor market perspective, I suppose, I mean the thing that is so unusual, the, the single thing that's most unusual about this is the sheer speed of the crisis. Um, you know we've've we've, we're only now really starting to get official data through. Um, but last month, so in um, in May, we had um, we had the first claimant count data, unemployment data, um, and that showed the fastest rise in claimant unemployment um since 1947. Uh, the claimant count which is an administrative measure of unemployment as people who are unemployed and claiming benefit rose by 70% 70% in a single month we've ne- we we've, you know, we've not seen anything like that apart from one off in 1947 a particularly deep winter in the early post war years rationing and and everything else um, but of course then the snows melted and and britain went back to work you know really quickly and the snows aren't going to melt this time so so next week on the on the 16th of um of june we'll be having the next set of um, of claimant count data coming out. It'll probably be out um, by the time people are listening to this. And that's going to show unemployment rising even further. It's likely to be at least another 500 or 600,000 people unemployed um, because we know there's been a million new claims. Not all of those claims will go on to, to start the benefit. There's been a million new claims in the month since April. So we've probably already got unemployment of at least 2.6, 2.7 million, probably 3 million. Now that's the level... That we've not seen since the 19 early 1990s, it's very likely that within about two months or so we'll have unemployment at a level that's higher than we've ever had. Um so yeah, this is this is huge. Now the labor market will recover. I think you said earlier a point about the pan about the pandemic, you know, getting the R rate down and suppressing the virus. I mean, I think that is fundamentally the most important thing which will drive everything else so consumer confidence business confidence what happens in workplaces and of course you know how we regulate and and easing the lockdown and and if we can do that it's a big if clearly but if we can do that we'll see a sharp recovery as well but um but even with a sharp recovery we're going to face huge challenges around how we support those people who are now unemployed to get back into work and how we support people who will become unemployed in the summer as the job retention scheme winds up um uh to 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 deal with that and to find new jobs so it's ma- you know this is massive this is a massive public policy and delivery challenge for for government for employment services for recruiters for employers um and it's going to take you know we've been as we've been saying for a few months now it's going to take a real effort it's going to take a collective sort of national effort to deal with it i think
0: you know i agree with that and uh, uh, you know we've moved move on from flattening one curve to flattening another you know making sure yeah. that uh, you know, there is a big difference between unemployment, uh, 3 or 4 million, which is a tragedy in all sorts of ways, but it's a scale that we can build back from over time, create jobs, invest in people, and unemployment rising north of 10%, that's a really fundamental and systemic cha- challenge to the economy as a whole. And I think it's that is the whole justification for CJRS in the first place, which is to make sure... That we don't create excess unemployment because of the speed in which this has this has come out. But either way, I think it's difficult to find anyone in the jobs market or who thinks about the jobs market doesn't think we've got a really serious spike of unemployment coming in Q3, and to build on the one we've already got. And that that spike, you know, we know unemployment rises quickly and drops slowly so how we address that and what the role of recruiters is in doing that has been something that has been increasingly on my mind as we've moved through and moved on from the panic stage of uh, of response to the crisis of helping members get across their cash flows get a, a vision on the runway for their business start positioning for the recovery and now we're getting into well. We talk at the REC about making great work happen. That's about making a contribution and how recruiters make a contribution. Now, you and I have been uh, working with lots of other bodies to think about how we encourage a really active approach to tackling this, un- this unemployment crisis from from government. What are the two or three things, Tony, you think we, that as a nation, we need to do to really yeah. nail this problem down?
1: Yeah. Well. If yeah, two or three things. I think if we could get it down to two or three, it'd be brilliant. Um, and it, maybe we can actually. Maybe it's doing two or three things well and at scale is yeah you know, would make a real would make a real difference. Um, and the work that we've done together on this, I mean, the help the the report called Help Wanted, which people will be able to find on you know on our various websites, I think is um, you know it's it's quite telling. Really, we were able to bring together. Uh, between us, you know, sort of about 15 different organisations and individuals and you know, experts and trade bodies and research centres and think tanks, you know, to collaborate on a piece which says actually a lot of the evidence around the sorts of things we need to do. And a lot of the emerging evidence about the challenge we're facing is pretty consistent. So so we do know the sorts of things we need to do. And I do think government are listening, actually. I think, you know, this, is a, this has been an enormous public health and, and actually a welfare challenge, too, in terms of getting universal credit. Um, keeping universal credit wheels on the road, uh, and now I think we are really they're really starting to focus on this public policy and this employment challenge. So, what are those three, two or three things? So, the first is we need to make sure I think that everybody who's unemployed um, and who needs help to find work is getting that help, and that doesn't need to be you know a big program, that doesn't need to be a six or a twelve month intervention. That's the 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 the, the classic sort of what I would call public employment service. Um, Delivery of um, of good quality help to 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 help people start to look for work, to to know how to look for work, particularly these days when so much is online. To um, to understand their skills, understand what employers want, what jobs are being created, and then get help with job matching and job brokerage. And of course, your members will be thinking these are all things that we do, um, and they are. And so, at the same time, that Job Centre Plus is the smallest it's ever been. We've also got, and facing among the high, probably the highest unemployment it's ever faced, we've got a recruitment industry where clearly, with vacancies being so low, you know, we we think vacancies are probably the lowest they've been at least thirty years. Where there's a lot of capacity and a lot of expertise and really goodwill, I think, to um, to do more and to um, and to work with the unemployed and to support people to prepare for work. So, point one is, you know, let's mobilise that. So, we 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 would love to see the government, and I've written about this a fair bit, to to commission um uh, a sort of immediate employment service back to work relatively light touch online but you know and and remote but potentially face-to-face as well as a lockdown eases support from recruiters from employment services from private sector providers from the voluntary community sector um you know really mobilizing all of the resources that that we that we've got so that we can say to anybody who's unemployed if you want if you want help finding work you know, type in your postcode or your universal credit identifier or whatever onto onto a simple website. And we'll tell you which which providers, which suppliers or recruiters we're funding to provide you with that basic help, Um, you know, good quality help. So that's sort of point number one. And for them to do that before the job retention scheme winds up, then that means really they need to be commissioning this straight away. They need to, you know, I think we'd need to have that process starting um, in the next week or so. So by sort of mid-June, really. Point two for me would be, around having a really effective and coordinated local response as we move into the summer, because we know what happens with large scale redundancies when big, big firms go bust, causes real li- ripples in local labour markets. We need local support. What we're going to see in the summer, I think, is a lot of smaller scale redundancies. Um, and, that will, and that will cause ripples throughout the labour market. So we think that means that's more of a public service function about investing in building that local capacity to coordinate and draw in the right services. But again, you know, the role for recruiters in that is working with employers that are still recruiting. It's saying we're now, you know, the the labour pool has got bigger and we can help you, you we can help you fill jobs. And we can also help to build those to support those um, those sort of training and into employment packages, those sort of routeways into into new work as well. And then the third piece, and I'll shut up, is um, is support for the long-term unemployed because whatever happens, this is a point about unemployment going up quick and coming down slowly. You know, which you're exactly right about. Whatever happens, a lot of people are going to get disconnected in the next few months. You know, three four million people unemployed. We are going to have the highest ever long-term unemployment in about six or nine months, and that will be a very different challenge. That that will mean you know, more intensive, more specialist, more wraparound support. It does last longer and is much more about helping people to get back towards the front of the queue when they're applying for work. So three really big things that you know we can do, and they're really hard. I probably add a fourth, which is right now we need to think about what we can do to stimulate demand, and that means I think cutting employer national insurance, like right now, as in for the next few months. Um, but yeah, you know the pieces we can line up the pieces, but ultimately you know we need to um, government's going to need to move quickly, I think, to 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 address the crisis. That's absolutely where I think lots of us are, which is,
0: um, as you think about the challenge that we now face, the scale of intervention required to support jobs is of a different order to what we've seen before. I, I think it's you know it can be easy to be kind of melodramatic about moments like this, but the way I tend to talk about it to people is you know if you imagine that the, the British economy dropped to about seventy percent of its normal capacity at the heights of lockdown, it's absolutely true that we'll have that really big bounce back and we'll probably get back to ninety percent or just above ninety percent of normal activity quite quickly, just mm. through the, the the kind of natural action of of switching the economy back on, that 90 to 100 is going to be hard. And, and you know, that's a bigger drop than the great financial crisis. You know, we are in the territory of uh, employment dislocation uh, of a scale that hasn't been seen certainly in this generation of uh, of people in the workplace in any kind of serious way. And it requires a, a bigger activation. And as part of that is about genuinely engaging the private sector with challenges in a way that hasn't been done before, so yeah, certainly I think it's in the long-term interest of of, of our sector to be part of the solution here, um, particularly uh, because it enables us to preserve some capacity to keep it by by helping with part one of what you were talking about, Tony, about uh, helping support the unemployed and finding a vehicle to. To, uh, for for the industry to contribute, and we're really working closely with the Treasury and DWP on that at the moment. That it helps us preserve capacity for the second bit, which is meeting uh, meeting companies' needs as they uh, as they uh, as they grow. Of course, a, a big bit, a bit of this is the the challenge of recessions doing what all recessions do, which is um, Accelerate and amplify changes that are already happening, and you know I, I already see around the membership stories about companies upping hiring in certain fields where they were already growing, and and the economy has just moved even further to for, towards it. Um, classic examples would be anything that can be delivered at a distance, uh, whether that's online retail um, and systems around, around that. Um, And and moving quickly to moving quicker than anticipated to slow down on things which are which they knew were going to to kind of move away in a kind of secular way over the next two three years, that creates huge and very swift skills challenges as well. And some part of what we do has to be some it has to be some skills support, doesn't
1: it? Absolutely right. And there's a kind of you know this is this crisis has has been a sort of an accidental experiment in you know, massive technologically enabled home and remote working. Um, and we're, you know, we're all, and we're all learning. Um, certainly I, I've been learning, you know, about how to, how to do that. And as, as have, as have my staff, as, you know, as well staff in, in, in organisations across, across the economy. So there's a, there's an upskilling there's a basic upskilling challenge for all of us in remaining productive and, and increasing productivity in work, um, because it is because it's been hugely disruptive and it's very and it is different and harder to, to work remotely often than to work physically, um, you know, in sort of co-lo- in the same location in teams. But then in terms of how the how the economy is then changing underneath that um, and how jobs are changing, uh, you know, I think that's right. And and of course, partly why this is accelerating is because of. The specific nature of this crisis if if um if social distancing has to be maintained um for much longer and be maintained a long time already then of course employers are going to adopt more technology because you physically can't have as many staff in a site so and that will apply particularly in retail i think it'll apply to an extent in hospitality as well um but you know as you say new jobs are being created too so how we can build how we can better build those routes and um uh, and those pathways into that work is really important. I think, you know, I've sort of, I can remember some of this stuff from a long time ago. The old, there used to be programs by something called the National Employment Panel back in the 2000s, the ambition programs. There was a sort of ambition energy, ambition construction. Um, Job Centre Plus runs things called sector based work academies, which combine pre employment training with work placements and, and interviews and so on. And I think we'll see a lot more of that happening. With, but probably with a far greater focus on on digital skills in particular, um, at, but also on kind of higher value services jobs, so generally higher skilled work as well that can be done remotely. And of course, not forgetting, you know, government clearly wants to announce something on job creation and and um, and and the future of work, new jobs. And there's some obvious opportunities here around things like energy efficiency, home insulation, um, where where we could create new new jobs if we were prepared to invest. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, again, how we the role that the role that your members can can play in helping to facilitate that and helping to consult with and support employers in identifying where they can get funding, how they can um, how they can link up with with uh, training providers, with colleges, with other services. And then and then critically, I think a large part of this is then about all of us trying to make sure that we're making sure those opportunities um, are able to be filled by unemployed people as well as job changes. I think that's going to be you know, really that's going to be a key part of what we do in the recovery. I think
0: that's fascinating, Tony. If I think about the challenge of the reshaping of the economy, that piece around uh, what government chooses to do to stimulate demand itself in the economy, I think is really interesting for. Uh, our members as well, because clearly if government's speeding infrastructure, it's speeding construction of things like hospitals, it's putting money behind uh, road building, I think broadband as well, because while there's been a lot of buttressing, of the broadband network to maintain the kind of levels of home working that we've been doing there's some fundamental stuff that needs to that needs to be addressed to support that transition in, in the economy so there's certainly an opportunity for recruiters who can uh, get into those areas of the market to really add value and of course align that with um, uh, align that with skills investment. Certainly, I'm well aware of members of ours who've been involved in things like smart meter installation in right. the last few years, who have been who have been training people to do the job and then placing them, um, and that that kind of uh, uh, aligned. Skills provision and employment placement, I think, has is probably the next step after in government engaging the sector to to help support unemployed people. That the kind of forward thinking agencies probably need to be starting to think about uh, in terms of um, maintaining capacity while we're in the, the the kind of slow recovery from from what we've been through. In terms of um, uh, pace. Though, I mean, the 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 message overall is no, 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 isn't it?
1: And I think you know, my one criticism of government, although clearly you can't do everything, as I said earlier, is that we're now nearly three months into this crisis, um, and it has been pretty clear since the early weeks of it that this was a massive, massive labour market shock, you know, bigger and more immediate than anything we'd seen. Um, So I think we're now out of, you know, we've we've reached a point at which is no is no longer about you know in the future we need to do this i mean the moment the moment is um is now you know we have to start seeing seeing the government announcing what, what how how it's going to um respond how it's going to invest in in supporting people who are unemployed and start preparing to support those who are long term unemployed so yeah i think this is you know this is a challenge for this is a cha- this is going to define i think what um for all of us who are working in employment in recruitment in labor market policy and delivery generally you know re- how we deal with this crisis is going to define the next couple of years, actually, and potentially the next four or five years, um, because we're going to, you know, because this is going to be a long road back. But I do think if we, um, if, um, if we can act now, if we can start to put those um, those measures in place, and then, then, you know, I, I, I think there's every chance that we'll be able to, um, you know, be able to get a grip of it and 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 support people who are unemployed, and in particular, make sure that we're supporting those who are becoming long-term unemployed next year. So the message here
0: for REC members is really eyes open, eyes open to the to the changing pattern of uh, job growth in the economy as, as clients uh, uh, reshape for for a future economy that's very different to the one we've had in the past but it's also eyes open to the kind of structure of support that's being put around unemployed people to make sure that uh, we as a sector can contribute you know that that REC tagline about making great work happen making great work happen for people who who face unemployment and then on the back of that good work securing the future of our own businesses to to get back to something like normal operation as we as we go through uh go through the recovery period tony uh thank you very much for joining us today if people want to catch up on the work of ies where should they be looking
1: sure they can google the institute for employment studies or our website is employment studies.co.uk we need a we do need a better website and you can follow me on twitter on tony Wilson IES.
0: Super, thank you again for joining us, uh, Tony, and thank you for listening into this episode of the REC Podcast. Uh, If you've enjoyed this, uh, do have a dig around in the archive. We've been doing this for three or three months now, so there's lots of uh, gold to find find in there. Uh, If you'd like an insight into how clients are thinking uh, about uh, uh, recruitment right now, try episode 17 with Ruth Penfold of BP Launchpad, looking at aligning people and culture for recovery and, and how to interact with client businesses Right now, if you'd like some insight into doing the tough stuff well, uh, have a listen to episode 20 with Nita Clark of the IPA. Yeah, or if you'd like an um, a more global view than our last episode, episode 21 uh, with Denny Pinnell of the World Employment Confederation uh, into how industries across the world are reacting to the COVID-19 crisis. All fantastic listens. Do check in again with the REC podcast. Stay close to us. Check in at rec.uk.com or follow me, get in touch on Twitter at recneil. Thank you again for listening, and we'll speak to you all soon on another episode of the REC pod.
1: Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode
0: helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.